0: Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.
1: Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is April Stevens with REMAX in Raleigh, North Carolina. Last year, she closed 242 transactions with a total sales volume of 46 million. Her average sales price was 190,000, of which 60% were buyers and 40% were sellers. April has a 10 member team six team agents, one transaction coordinator, one marketing manager, one virtual assistant, and one team leader. April is the team leader of the April Stevens team. She's been an agent for 11 years. She works the Triangle area in Johnston County. In this call, April talks about starting her career by working for a home builder, switching to resell homes during the Great Recession, how she helps home builders market and sell their homes, what she does to network with home builders and attract their listings, why up to 45% of her sign calls result in a showing or buyer consultation. Promoting her listings with video home walkthrough tours. Geographic farming with postcards, social media, and realtor.com. Finding buyers and sellers at open houses. How she gets 55% of her business by repeating referrals from past clients and sphere of influence, including her annual marketing plan. Describing her weekly email newsletter. Why she hosts two client appreciation events per year, the costs and the results, team dynamics and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, April.
0: Thank you. How are you?
1: April, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. April, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate.
0: Okay, sounds great. Um, I was in the Army National Guard for several years. I was a combat medic, and I uh, scheduled helicopter missions and worked in the Aviation and Safety Department.
1: Wow, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for serving. How long did you do that for?
0: I was active duty for four years and then inactive for another four.
1: Excellent. And what made you decide to get into real estate?
0: Uh, Actually, when I decided to get out of the military, I was looking for a part-time job and had stumbled across working for a general contractor doing some office work. And he was also in the business of building custom homes. And I really loved the marketing side of that. I loved Designing the houses, picking up plans, going to the planning department, and just kind of seeing them go from concept to closing and started working on some marketing stuff on my own. And, and he kind of felt like it was a niche I had. So he said, If you want to go to real estate school, you know, you can start selling our houses. So I went to a real estate school in the evenings, got my license, and absolutely have loved it every day since. <laughs>
1: well, that's fantastic. So, do you still sell new construction homes?
0: I do, yes, sir. That's a niche that we have. Again, it's kind of a passion of mine. I've gotten several designations regarding new home sales and residential construction practices. I really like watching them, like I said, come from concept to closing. So we have a lot of great marketing tools that we use for our builders, trying to guide builders and developers through, you know, not only the market, but best marketing practices as well.
1: What percentage of your business is new construction?
0: Right now we are a little bit low in inventory which is a good and a bad thing. So right now it's probably about 20%, um, but we have several new communities coming on. So I anticipate, you know, next year it'll probably be 30 to 40% of our business.
1: Let's go back to when you first got started. You said you were working uh, part-time in the real estate office with the new construction and you got your license. When you got your license and you started selling, did it start up quickly or was it a slower start?
0: Um, it was a little bit of a slower start just because, you know, the market was good. It was at the very end of 2006. So the market was good, but we were building custom homes. And so price point was at the top for our area. But it gave me great experience trying to figure out ways to find buyers for those price points. So it was a good first year as far as that goes. But then, of course, the recession happened not long after. But I was successful through the recession because of a lot of things I learned um, kind of the hard way. I felt like I recreated the wheel in the beginning, just because my unique situation working for a contractor versus going into a regular real estate office where people can tell you, we've been doing it like this for the last 10 years. I kind of had to figure out things on my own. And to be honest with you, I'm very thankful for that experience.
1: And how long did you have your license and work for the contractor before you transitioned over to the retail side?
0: 2007 to 2009. In 2009, obviously, The recession had hit, and the market had changed substantially. And he not only did residential construction, but really specialized in commercial. And they decided to just focus their efforts in the commercial sector since the residential market was struggling. And so we both agreed then that it was a good time to kind of move on. And that's when I stepped out and uh, went to my first Remax.
1: So it sounds like you started with your real estate license about two thousand six. So that's about eleven years now.
0: Is that correct? Yes, sir. I just have my 11 year anniversary, August 31st. And
1: let's fast forward to today. How many homes did you sell last year and what was the sales volume?
0: We sold 242 homes um, last year and our sales volume was 46 million.
1: Excellent. We uh, communicated a little bit before the call, and I asked you to tell me what was one of your most successful, profitable marketing methods, and you mentioned it was following up on sign calls. Could you tell me what you're doing with sign call follow-up that's working so well?
0: Yeah, so we have a um, writer sign on top of our signs. So our signs not only have my team's phone number, but they also have a writer sign where they can text for more information, and there's a QR code they can scan, when they text for more information, it sends me an email so that we can follow up. It takes them right to our website, so it's got live interactive information of the property that they're inquiring about. And then we have the opportunity to follow up. And I would just say that is one part of it, but also answering the phone. I've got a phone system set up to where if they're inquiring on one of our homes, they press one and it calls everybody on the team. So they have a one in eight chance of talking to a live person when they call on a house the first time. Not only that, they text or scan a QR code for more information, then we're following up on that. So we're able to convert a lot of potential buyers for our listings just by doing continuous follow-up.
1: So if they press one, is that because they want to find out, say, the current price? Uh, What information are they looking for?
0: Well, it prompts them to press one if they're on information on one of our listings. So then what typically happens is, you know, one of my teammates will answer, they'll give them the address of the property, and then they can kind of run with that lead from there and talk to them about what the property has to offer and try to convert them into a buyer and set up a showing.
1: Would you mind if we did a little role play and I'm the buyer who's calling in and you handle the script on the other side so we can hear what it sounds like?
0: Sure, absolutely. Okay, great. Ring, ring, ring. Hello, thank you for calling the April Stevens team. How can I help you? Oh, hi, hi. Uh, my, uh,
1: my name's Mike and I uh, I was calling about 123 Elm Street.
0: Yeah, 123 Elm Street, that just hit the market last week. Thank you so much for calling about that property. Did you ride by, I'm assuming?
1: I did. I, I saw the sign. We're actually sitting out in front of the house right now. It looks great.
0: Oh, fantastic. Yes, that is one of our favorite neighborhoods. So, yeah, that house actually is 2,000 square feet. It's listed for 219, three bedrooms, two and a half bathrooms. And I would love to set up a time to take you to view the home. What's your availability?
1: Oh, uh, well, we're, we're in front of it right now.
0: Okay, let me see if I have an agent available who can meet you, and uh, we look forward to working with you. Okay,
1: fantastic. Excellent. So you go right into a showing.
0: Yeah, we do some pre-qualification, but again, when it is an issue where they're calling and it's anyone else on the team, we want to try to get in front of them as soon as possible, whether it's in a property or in a buyer consultation.
1: Ah, so you make a fast connection. Yes, sir. Excellent. And so if you were to get 100 sign calls in like that, how many of them would convert into clients and closings?
0: Um, I'd say our conversion rate is probably around 35 to 45%. Wow. At least for a showing or a buyer consultation.
1: Okay, fantastic. So if you can talk to them on the phone when they call in, it can really turn into something quickly. A third, almost a half, will end up setting up something with you right away.
0: Absolutely. And again, I feel like speed is important. So that's a reason. And getting someone live on the phone is important. So, again, that's the reason I have the phone set up the way that they are so that there's a chance that they can make an instant connection. Obviously, one thing I didn't do in our role play is ask them, are you currently working with a real estate agent already? Have you spoken with a lender? You know, we do go through a little bit of that, but just really kind of trying to build rapport. But obviously, if they're sitting in front of the home and they're not working with an agent and they are pre qualified. I want to get my agents in front of them to create a relationship as quickly as possible.
1: It sounds to me, by the way that you proceeded, that you would set the appointment right away, get them excited about it, and then step back and do the prequal and asking some of these questions about whether they're working with an agent and their qualifications financially and so forth. Is that true? Would you set the appointment first and then backtrack into the prequal?
0: Well, no, we always ask first, if they're working with another agent and if they are pre-qualified. Um, you know, I, I tell my, my team, I'll show you one house without knowing whether or not you're definitely pre-qualified. Just want to start that relationship. And again, working in a lot of new construction, you have to get them while they're there. A lot of people ride around to open houses, they want to walk in and they want to be wowed. And I think it's important to kind of capture them while they're in that moment. So I don't, have my team right around a lot of unqualified buyers by any means, but I at least like the opportunity to get out there as quickly as possible and get them in the home as quickly as possible. And of course, builders like that and other sellers as well like to know that every opportunity that we're getting buyers in their homes as quickly as possible.
1: Well, let's, do this. let's talk about the new construction and the builders for a little bit. It sounds like it's a niche and a specialty of yours. First of all, how many builders are you currently working with?
0: We are currently working with about nine custom home builders, different communities, different price points, different locations. So literally, it's it's from one end of the spectrum to the other as far as price point and product.
1: Now, are these typically smaller builders, medium-sized builders? Are you working with nationals?
0: Yeah, we're not working with any nationals at this time, uh, mainly just small custom guys.
1: And so how many homes do they typically build in a year?
0: Oh, that varies. This year would not be a good year to um, give you a number based on that, just because we've had some lot shortage issues. Next year is going to be wide open. Next year, we're anticipating probably 60 to 70 new construction homes on the ground. This year, we did closer to 30. But again, a lot of that had to do with lot inventory issues.
1: So it sounds like the average builder you're working with is probably putting out three to 10 homes a year? Yes, sir. That would be accurate. Okay, great. And how did you make the connections with them to start the relationship to start working with them?
0: Several different avenues, obviously in being in the new construction business, you work with similar developers and so developers will start new communities and and you'll reach out and try to build builder teams in those communities uh, as well as I've had a lot of builders approach me because of the marketing that we've done and the way they've seen we have done other communities and so that's worked out well and then I'm also a Big supporter of builders associations. I participate in putting together the credit homes. I've been doing that since I was working for the very first builder. I'm a big believer in your industry associations and networking and masterminding with um, other people in your profession.
1: You don't have necessarily a marketing campaign to go out to attract these builders. You're bumping into them by your networking. You mentioned putting together the pray the homes and working with the local builders association you're around them a lot, and that's what's creating the relationships that, that then turn into business.
0: Exactly. Yes, sir. are just staying involved.
1: If there was a agent listening and they were thinking about getting into the new construction business, what recommendation would you give them?
0: To get educated, to inform yourself as much as you can on what new developments are coming up, what builders are doing, what builder trends are doing. We build a lot of relationships just because builders would call us and say, what are your clients looking for and how can we help? or we sold a lot of their new construction and became very familiar with their products. So builders don't want to be sold. There's agents coming after them all the time for their business. I think if they start to respect you for the marketing that you're doing and the education that you're putting out there to the public, I think that that will kind of create a niche for you, to be honest.
1: You've been in that side of the business for a while now. Have you seen Other agents make a mistake when they try to approach a builder? Are there mistakes that they make that you would recommend somebody not do?
0: Making sure that you are set up to handle new construction. It is a different animal, it's a little more time consuming. There's going to be more open houses, more on site, a lot more hand holding. And I don't recommend that agents go and try to, especially, not win a builder by cutting their commission because there's a lot more expenses involved typically with marketing new construction than there is with just regular residential real estate.
1: Do agents that are listing new construction homes do they make a similar fee to what they would if they were working with a typical resale home?
0: Typically, yes. It's a very similar fee. Again, there's no set fees in real estate, but I've seen it be a similar fee. And then there are situations where we work out different agreements for marketing costs. Especially with developers, you may want to go in and have a conversation with the developer and try to go ahead and set a schedule of allowances or what those marketing costs are going to look like, almost as overhead.
1: What is the number one most effective way that you market a brand new home, new construction?
0: We have recently started doing um, almost like mini commercials for our homes. So we'll start with some drone photography, some virtual tours, and then we will step in with me actually walking through the home. So it's kind of like a live interactive showing where I'm kind of treating the camera as a buyer and and walking them through the home. And it's neat because it gives the buyer a different feeling than just a virtual tour where there's pictures sliding it in and out to music. We'll do some drone photography of the community. So it kind of really gives them an idea of if they were on a showing, what that would look like.
1: Sounds like the result is a video, an action video where everything is moving. How long is that video typically when it's done?
0: Typically no more than three minutes.
1: About three minutes.
0: Kind of like a song. Mm -hmm. You don't want to lose focus.
1: Where do you post the video?
0: We post them on our YouTube channel as well as our social media channels.
1: And then how does it get promoted so people see it?
0: We have a really good Facebook following. So we're getting a lot of interest when we post our videos on Facebook with people sharing and We have done sponsored posts in the past to try to raise awareness of some of our properties. And then depending on the way we set up the tour, I do a couple different types of virtual tours, and we can link those in our MLS system as well.
1: I know that about 25% of your business is coming from internet leads. What are you doing on the internet to generate that much business?
0: We have several zip codes that we farm regularly. So it's a great combination of our farming efforts. Via postcards, via social media, and realtor.com, Zillow sites such as that, that we are constantly farming.
1: So it sounds like you're doing physical geographic farming, the old type where you mail out a postcard?
0: Mm hmm. Yes, it's kind of a trifecta. So everywhere they go, hopefully they're seeing us, whether it be on social media, whether it be in their mailbox, and also online. So, you know, I try to purchase the majority of the zip codes that we farm to ensure we're getting the majority of the leads. And then just because of the number of listings that we carry, we end up getting a lot of leads off of our listings.
1: How many zip codes do you have, and then how many homes is that?
0: Oh, I have four different zip codes and and I don't know exactly because I have them split different ways. Um, but as far as our listing inventory, we typically carry an average of fifty listings, and I ensure that on as many websites as I can afford that we are the agent that is contacted off of those. So you know on some sites, they don't automatically list you as the listing agent on your own properties. And I think it's important that we are the first person that a potential buyer contacts about our listings. I think it's more protection for our sellers and we ensure the buyers get the correct information on our properties.
1: And so that'd be uh, like Zillow, I think premium listing or something like that where you are the agent that they'll be contacting.
0: Correct. I focus more on realtor.com because our public to the MLS. So I feel like I have a little bit more control over the information that gets published. So I focus our effort more on Realtor.com, but we do some work with Zillow as well. You mentioned
1: that you're getting a lot of calls off of your listings that you advertise online. What are you presenting out there? Do you have a picture of the property? Is it a unique picture? Are you certain information you are or not sharing? A
0: couple different things we do. So, you know, not necessarily the Realtor.com that that's when they're looking and I am very particular about our descriptions and our pictures and I want to try to give as much information as possible. On our social media though, we're getting some great feedback and some calls because we'll do certain features. We'll just highlight features. So then they kind of have to contact us to say, where is this house? You know, It'll be a picture of the backyard that looks like an oasis or it'll be a picture of the master bathroom that looks like you just walked into the spa. And so we'll focus on certain aspects of the home that we feel are wow factors and give them just a little bit of information so that you'll see a lot of comments pop up of, where is this? Can you send me more information? So we do a little bit of everything, (laughs) but I like the the specific wow factor marketing, especially on social media.
1: And so for social media, I'm assuming a lot of that is Facebook. Are you using anything other than Facebook?
0: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So my team has a Facebook page, it's on Twitter page, and then Twitter, I just run from my personal page. But Instagram, we are really growing a large following. And and again, we're approaching it more as what Instagram is based off of, just pictures. So you see a lot of popular blogs on Instagram now, especially regarding interior decorating and things like that. And so we're kind of taking a page from their book and we're posting just a few shots of our homes. And then we also do Pinterest.
1: My assumption would be that Facebook would be the largest source. Instagram is growing, and it's more of a younger crowd. Is that true?
0: I wouldn't necessarily say it's a younger crowd. I'm seeing a lot of our Instagram followers come from those that also follow the Joanna Games of the world, the people that are really into open concept living and farmhouse style and things like that, and they're following the other bloggers that are Talking about new decorating trends and things like that, so I wouldn't necessarily say that the younger demographic it's more of a specific demographic
1: you also mentioned Pinterest, and that's uh, something that's new for me to hear about someone advertising there. How is that working for you? Is that generating a lot of business or are you just starting to dip your toe into it
0: you know I don't really see that it's necessarily generating business, but I do think that we are getting some traction on maybe our other social media because they'll see something on Pinterest and it'll click through to either our Facebook or Instagram or our website.
1: Are most of your internet leads buyers or sellers?
0: Most of our internet leads are buyers. Definitely.
1: And have you been able to generate any sellers from the internet other than buyers who have a home to sell?
0: Um, We have, again, we do the majority of our seller, uh, Generated leads are coming off of our social media, and that's because they see what we're doing as far as marketing on our other properties. They like what they see, and they call us and want us to talk about selling their home and, and using those same marketing tactics for them.
1: How many people are following you on social media?
0: I've got around under 4,000 following on my personal Facebook page. Our business Facebook page is around 2,000. Our Instagram, we just started actually the team Instagram this year and we're already at about 1,600 followers, and then Twitter is around 1,600 as well.
1: You mentioned whether you're doing something personal. I didn't quite understand. What are you doing with Twitter?
0: So Twitter is a combination, again, similar to my personal Facebook, where you know there's stuff about me, but then I'll also post about properties. I'll post about things going on in the area. I'll post about new communities, any type of relevant content.
1: Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real TV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. You're doing a lot of different things out there on the internet if you could only do one which one would it be Facebook Facebook and when Without you got it out which part of the Facebook would you be doing would you be doing the promoted posts would you be doing just your group your sphere if somebody were just going to start somewhere where would it be
0: just my sphere and that's a big reason you know i guess my age my demographic i've been on Facebook for years now and when I first got into the business, it's a perfect way to make sure people know that's what you do for a living. But again, I'm not out there just spamming, like posting my listings every day um, and that type of thing. You know, I talk about new communities going on in the area, and then I'll also talk about my listings, and then I'll also talk about what I'm seeing in the market. And But then they also see pictures of my daughter and my husband and when we travel. So it's a great way to stay in touch with your seer and to keep them informed of what you're doing and to interact with your sphere. You know, there's a lot of times that I've seen other people, maybe they're just renting or looking to open a business. I can reach out and try to be a resource as well. So that's one thing I've pride myself on. That's one of our main marketing goals is just to be a resource in the community for anything real estate related.
1: It sounds to me like you're very concerned and focused about building relationships as opposed to transactions.
0: Absolutely. And and it's so funny because I'm not that typical agent when people are like, oh, what's your GCI and what's your gross commission and um, volume? I you mean, know, a lot of times I have to research that, but I can always tell you how many transactions I've done. And it's not because I look at it as a transaction. I look at it as a person that we've touched. It's a person that we've helped. And so that's how I really judge our success and gauge our goals is, you know, how many people did we impact and how effective were we? more so than how much did their house cost or how much home did they want to buy and how much did we make. It's more about how many people do we touch. I I started the business. I was very involved with the Chamber of Commerce. I was involved with the local Civitan groups. and I just met some wonderful people that to this day are really great referral partners. And It was building those relationships and building my network that helped me succeed and grow through the recession and continue to be successful. Well,
1: April, I know another area that's worked well for you is open houses. I think it generated about 10% of your business. Could you tell us, are you doing anything unique with open houses? Why are they working so well for you?
0: And when I say open house, I am a, a big believer in residential, just recent homes. I sell a house a year in an open house and it's worth it. But obviously with new construction, we do open houses and it's amazing again, the people that you meet, that one person comes to look at a house and then they have a house to sell. Well, then you sell their house, they buy yours and then they tell their friend. I mean, we've got a community now that I can't count on both hands how many people we help in a year just based on meeting them in an open house. They came out for one thing and whether either we sold them that or we helped them in three other ways. And so I think it's just a great way to connect with people, educate people. You know, we do a lot of advertising around our open houses We further Listed in MLS, their own Zillow, a local classified, things like that. Some really great signage. We had some custom-made signs done. I like to bring little gift bags. So you send them off with a coffee mug or a pen or just something. Sometimes you walk into an open house and the agent's reading a book their eyes and they see you walk in. And it's kind of like, you know, that's the wrong attitude. So we get excited about open houses and inviting people in to talk to them about our properties, educate them on the community, and see how we form relationships. relationship.
1: Do you have people register when they come into the open house?
0: I do, yes, sir. We have them register, and then, you know, we don't spam them by any means for our newsletter, um, which has become very popular. Okay. Did you say
1: you have a newsletter that you send out to them?
0: hmm So we send out a newsletter um, every Friday. It's got local events, um, where our open houses are for the weekend, as well as something helpful. You know, we're having hurricane. Uh, preparedness last week because we were being impacted by two major hurricanes. Always has local events going on and things to do out and about in the community, um, as well as some helpful tips or tricks, you know, whether it be preparing for fall or staging. So it's not just a sales newsletter, it's also got some relatable content.
1: April, I'd like to shift gears at this point. I know that about 55% of your business is coming from past clients, sphere of influence, repeat and referrals. And I'd like to ask you a few questions about that. The first question is, how big is your database of past clients and sphere of influence?
0: Right now, we're at a little over 8,000 in our database. And that is for me and several of the other members on our team.
1: Now is that just your past clients and sphere of influence? Or does that also include all these other leads that have come in through your marketing?
0: That includes other leads as well.
1: If you were to break out just the past client group, how big would that be?
0: It's a little tougher. I, you know, I know what my past clients are, but ours are um, cumulative of our entire team, and some have been in the business 20 years. So there is a lot more than that that we're marketing to kind of differently. I would say probably around 5,000 are past clients' sphere of influence.
1: Wow, that is a big group. And you said that's Mm -hmm. yours and the other agents on your team. Do you ever ask your staff to put in their sphere of influence?
0: Yes. Actually, um, we have my transaction coordinator, her sphere of influence is included in that as well. Because she is licensed and she used to be an agent in the business. So we want to make sure we are targeting her clients too.
1: Very good. And what type of database are you using to keep all this information straight? Are you using a certain software program?
0: Yeah, we just started this year using Contactually. I really like the team aspect of it, the way that it lets you bucket contact into a certain area. I like the way that I can see, you know, on the team when they have followed up with someone. I really like the functionality of that. And then they have a library of templates and then areas where we can upload our own templates as well.
1: What program were you using prior to that?
0: I was using Top Producer.
1: And it sounds like you like Contactually better?
0: So far, yeah. It's it's a lot more user-friendly, and um, it kind of makes it easy to follow up. It reminds you every day what to do, and it has easy ways to do that. So just a little more user-friendly and definitely more team-friendly.
1: Let's talk about how you're staying in front of the people in your past client and sphere of influence database could you walk us through a big picture of what you're doing over the course of a year to stay in front of those people?
0: Sure. So, you know, with Contactually, it tells me every day who to follow up with, which is great. Different ways to follow up with them. It shows me my last conversations with them. So it's kind of easy to figure out where to go from here. And then from that, you know, it may be a phone call, text message, handwritten note, or just pop by. We do quarterly pop bys. So we drop by some of our past clients in the spring. We dropped off eggs for Easter, things like that. And then we do two client appreciation events every year. That is something we just started doing in the past couple of years that I feel like I'm so mad that I didn't do it five years sooner. Um, I was so worried about what the response would be and didn't quite know how to put it together. Finally, we just we started in February and we do it the week of Valentine's Day. We run out the back of a restaurant and we just invite everyone to dinner with us on us. And we have found that a lot of our clients kind of use it as their Valentine's Day date. We obviously don't do it on Valentine's, but the theme is we love our clients. And we provide dinner and an opportunity for gifts, things like that. You know, we have gift bags and um, that type of thing. But that has by far been one of the best things of staying in front of our clients. And we have a lot of our clients still check in on social media, tag us in pictures and things like that. And, again, that's helping spread to their sphere that, you know, the person who sold them their house hasn't invited them to have dinner every year. So that's been very great. And then, again, of course, they're getting in our newsletter every week um, and just a constant follow-up and keeping up with what's going on in in the different communities and neighborhoods and making sure they're aware of what's going on around them.
1: Very good. You said you do uh, two client appreciation events. You're doing the Valentine's Day event. How many people show up to that?
0: We typically have approximately 100 people. So we usually invite between 150 and 200. And then that's why we ended up having to do two because we started getting an overwhelming response so we're kind of breaking it up. But it's so funny. It's great. We've had several clients that, you know, because we ran out of seats the second year we did it. So we ended up putting clients together and next thing you know, they became friends, started a book club, wine club, and it's kind of great to, <laughs> to, to kind of have other people make friends. And it was because the common denominator was, was our team helping them buy or sell a home. Again, it, it kind of Builds those relationships. We love seeing the kids that were babies when they bought, now they're two and three years old and have a baby brother or sister on the way, and just a quick minute to kind of catch up with these people who you're so involved with them during this process 40, 60, 90 days, even longer. And you're so involved with some major decision making in their lives. And funny, we talk about like goes out really close and it's called breaking up is hard to do because it's like you feel like you break up you go from talking to these people every day to okay happy and old and we're helping the next family but we're not talking as much and so it's great to just kind of take time to sit down up and see how they've been what have they done to the house you know how much do they love their community and and just chit chat it's great to continue to force those relationships
1: If 100 people show up, how much does it cost you to feed 100 people and put on this event?
0: It usually costs us around $1,500. So we have a a local restaurant. We do it more of a buffet style. You know, there are three main meals, and and they put it out. And we've done it a couple of different ways, but that's definitely been the best way. So it costs us usually $10 per head. And then we've got some gifts that we give out. We always get a cake and some desserts and things like that to pass out. So it usually costs about $1,500. And do you
1: receive immediate results? Is this resulting in business?
0: You know, I haven't measured it to see if anyone actually picked up the phone and called. I know several times we have done it that we get talking while we're there in conversation. They're like, you know, I was just talking to my neighbor the other day and they're getting their house ready to sell. I need to make sure I give them your card. You know, it just kind of puts us back front and center with them. Of, we're here to help you and your family and friends as well. So, Definitely results in business. But again, I think it's making sure that we constantly stay front of mind with our clients that if they know of anyone looking to buy or sell, that they need to, to make sure to call us. We have several team cheerleaders, we say. I mean, it's anything we do, they make sure that they're, they're posting about it and they're telling people about it, and, and they always show up, and, and that's great. At the
1: event itself, are you handing out name badges? Are you doing a speech? Are you just walking around and mingling? What does the event itself look like?
0: We always talk in the beginning, you know we thank people for coming out, but because of the way we do it, it's more of a floating scenario because we can only see a certain amount at a certain time, and so it's kind of um, it's more mingling. It's great going table to table to table and going, "How have you been?" you know How was how this? How's the dogs and the kids?" It's more that one-on-one personal connection that I feel like we benefit the most from. We're not there to sell them anything. We tell them thank you for coming, but we're, we're not trying to sell them anything when they come. We're just glad to see them.
1: Have you ever taken the DISC personality profile?
0: The DISC personality profile? Yes. Absolutely. Do you know yes, what, sir. what are you? I am a 99 DI.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. So you said that you only invite 100 to 200 people, yet your database is 8,000. How do you decide who to invite to the party?
0: We break it up. We start inviting the the clients that we helped that year and the year before. So that's where we start. And then we get RSVPs. We do a Facebook event. We do an e-vite. And we start working on those RSVPs. And then I give everyone on the team a list of five or 10 to go back and who have you not heard from or who have you not talked to lately, go back and grab five people from your database as well. And we kind of throw those in the mix.
1: Very good. Well, that's fantastic. So you definitely are staying in touch with people. You're doing at least weekly with the newsletter. You have these client events. Now you mentioned you do two client events. One was the Valentine's Day. Is there a different event that
0: you're doing? We typically do another one in the fall called We're Thankful for Our Client. We've been playing around with this one. We we do a very similar event in the to the Valentine's. We've been trying to do it a little bit of a social event. So we did one that was, you know, just heavy hors d'oeuvres and more of a happy hour style, Um, but honestly, the sit-down dinner so far has been by far the the best received. So I think we're going to kind of continue doing that. We just, we ended up doing two because we couldn't get everybody in in the first one.
1: My understanding from talking to others that one of the advantages of these parties is the multiple contacts. You get to invite a lot of people. Uh, You get to send out reminders. You have a lot of touches leading up to the event you have the event where you're talking to people and then you have the post event where you're talking to them again is that the reason that you think that these are such successful events
0: I do absolutely like i said and again the the biggest part of it is the relationship building the day after two days later people are still posting on facebook you know what a great time it was how great it was to get back together and just chit chat and you know just take a minute to slow down and and talk to people
1: what I'd like to do now, April, is I'd like to switch gears. I'd like to talk about your team. You mentioned okay. you have several people on the team. Could you give us a big picture of the team? And what I mean by that is, what are the positions, how many people are in that position, and what are they responsible for? What's that position responsible for?
0: Okay. I have, uh, there's six agents total, and I let my agents cross-train. So they do buyers and sellers. I have my agent, which we have worked together for the past nine years. She is also kind of a team liaison. She is a point of contact for them. She helps me schedule our training for the team, the events we have coming up. She kind of spearheads that. So she has a small salary on top of her commission because she kind of helps me lead the team. We have one transaction coordinator. We have a marketing director and we just brought on a virtual assistant. So we are very agent heavy and less admin heavy.
1: Why did you decide to be so agent-heavy as opposed to admin-heavy?
0: Honestly, I was surrounded by um, talented agents, and it's kind of a team where we decided to work together. You know, I, I had listings, um, I had a relationship with these agents, and it just made a really good fit. And so we are four years strong now since we started the team, and we have had no turnover.
1: That's actually very impressive. You mentioned that they're cross trained, they can do buyers and sellers. Has it always been that way or did you start out with them separate and decide to change it?
0: It's always been that way. Actually, three of them are builders' wives. So that was kind of a an initial jump in to kind of jump start our new construction. But also I'm just a big believer in, you know, we always kind of tend to lean one way or the other, but I never want to take away an opportunity from a teammate. So I feel like it's important that regardless of whether they have me as the team leader or not, that they can stand on their own two feet in this business.
1: A lot of agents, when they're either starting a team or building a team, one of their big hangups is compensation. Would you mind disclosing to us what you put together for your team members?
0: To be honest, I prefer not to. It's just a little bit different. And it's just not something I want to put out as far as what that compensation looks like. Um, I'll tell you, again, because they cross-train, it is very fair and reasonable.
1: Is it different whether they uh, work with a buyer or a seller?
0: Um, no, the commission structure is the same. We do a lot of training on them generating leads. There's a lot that they bring into the team. So they're not just being fed leads. I'm also training them on how to prospect for buyers and sellers to bring into the team.
1: Right. And I was wondering about that because you're more agent heavy on the team Mm -hmm. and not as many admin. So I wondered if the agents were picking up more of the administrative work and therefore maybe their compensation was higher than they would be if they had more admin running around.
0: Right. And that has been at the discretion of the agents. That was their preference that we're very hands on with our clients. There's several things that they did not want to give up. So we have brought on a virtual assistant to do some of. You know, just mundane paperwork, part of the transaction, so that they can stay client-focused.
1: Are you still selling? Are you personally in production?
0: Yes, sir. Very much so. I can't imagine doing anything else. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
1: The team is very productive in your arrangement. I think if I add it up correctly, it's around 34 closings per active agent on the team. That's pretty good. That's a pretty strong showing. So your arrangement is obviously working.
0: Yeah, like I said, I'm very success-focused, but success for everyone on the team, not just myself.
1: Well, April, are you profitable?
0: Yes, sir. I think at the end of the day, everybody could make more money, but I look at profit as also having money to feed my family and grow my business. But at the same time, there's nothing better than loving what you do every day and looking forward to Mondays. So, you know, I enjoy the people that I work with. I enjoy the team, the the way we have things set up, and I enjoy our clients. So to me, there's a lot more to success than than just making money. But it is, it is very profitable, yes, sir.
1: Hard to eat without it.
0: <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is.
1: <laughs> there are agents listening. They're trying to put together goals and objectives. Would you mind disclosing to us what your net profit margin is? And I'm not asking about dollar amount. I'm asking about a percentage.
0: I will be honest with you. I don't know. (laughs) And I hate to say that my husband does all of our bookkeeping behind the scenes. Again, my focus is our clients and our team. So he would be the one to ask that. We actually have a meeting scheduled the end of this week, so I can be more prepared for you later, but I I don't have that number because he keeps up with that. I'm the kind of person where I have to focus on the big picture if I worry uh, too much about the small details. It'll overwhelm me. I would much rather focus on our clients than,
1: uh our team. April, what drives you?
0: Trying to be a better person every day, I guess. You know, a better person for my husband, a better person for my daughter, a better person for our team, and a better person for our clients. I mean, I feel like you should always be moving forward. Um, God didn't put us on this earth to be complacent. He He has a plan for us, and I'm always moving forward trying to figure out what that is and hoping I'm doing a good job at it.
1: April, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first?
0: That is a good question. I'll be honest, I'm a a big believer of grit. You know, I have people all the time that think I'm going to give them some miracle answer as to how I got where I've gotten. And I tell them I do things that everybody else has to do. And I do things that nobody else wants to do. You know, I had to start in the military as a grunt. You, (laughs) You run around doing stuff nobody wants to do. And, at the end of the day, that is how you're going to have longevity in this business. If you get into it just to have a flexible schedule and make a lot of money, that's not the truth. That is just what everyone likes to portray. Now, I have made you know more money in this career than I ever imagined I, I would, um, especially not having a college education and um, things like that. But the, the, the reason I, I got where I am is because I would do two open houses on a Saturday if an agent would give me a listing to sit in lean on successful agents around you. Find someone who's willing to help because there are so many good agents out there that do want to see other people succeed. You know, I was always told real estate was a cutthroat business. And I'll be honest with you, I just haven't seen it that much. I have surrounded myself with great mentors and people that are willing to help. And as a new agent, that's exactly what you should do. Don't be afraid to ask for help and offer To do the things that nobody else wants to do because at the end of the day, that's going to get you places that nobody else is going to be able to get because you were willing to do it. I think Dave Ramsey says, live not like no other so you can live like no other. You have to do the sacrifices and you have to put in the hard work in the beginning for it to be fruitful and just always keep working to be better.
1: Well, April, do you think the top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable?
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, I have gotten so far in the business because I have leaned on other people. I love Mastermind Group. In our office training, the fourth Wednesday of the month, we always do roundtable discussions. And it's because you learn so much from other people. And it's a great way to share knowledge. Again, none of us are going to be the best at everything in the world. So the best thing we can do is help each other to be the best we can be for ourselves.
1: Well, April, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners?
0: No, I want to appreciate you for the interview and the opportunity. And and the best thing, you know, I like to tell people is learn to be resilient. The market is ever-changing, and you've got to figure out what is and is not working. Don't ever do things because that's the way it's always been done. Always find out what works for you. So I know that my setup is different. I know my structure is different. But at the end of the day, it works for me, and that's all that matters.
1: Well, April, thank you for sharing your journey. From new construction to resell, you've demonstrated your grit and determination to succeed. You built a solid foundation by representing new home builders. You used creative marketing like video home walkthrough tours. You nurture deep relationships with your client appreciation parties that have resulted in consistent contacts and more repeat and referrals. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 344 homes last year worth $110 Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward.
0: You've been listening to success calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.